Welcome, folks. You know what it is. It's another Wisdom Wednesday with the Folks Unfettered show. I am your host, Gene Folks, and I wanted to come to you this episode. Boy, um, can, can we talk for real? Like, can we really have a conversation about uh, what's going on with us as a nation? And, and bear with me because I'm pulling up some articles that I've been reading here lately that are really causing a lot of concern for for me um yeah just wow so yeah i get my news uh almost every day and you know i i try to speak to our higher, higher angels which i'm wondering if we have any and if most of you know me, you know that my political leanings are moderate in almost everything that I try to consider is being presented to me. To me, I tend to look at it from a lens of not only my own personal beliefs, but also what is going to bring the greatest amount of equity to the best of our abilities. And I'm not sure that I live in a country that is interested in that anymore. So I've been watching Governor DeSantis in Florida make some really interesting political statements. And signing bills and presenting bills and firing boards and hiring individuals that are more to his liking. And, and I'm just wondering what slippery slope we will continue to go down if we don't find some middle ground in to how to address the differences of our fellow Americans. I'm going to read a, a little bit from the article uh, in, from, in, from NPR, and it reads this. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signs a bill banning DEI. If you don't know what DEI is, it's diver diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives in public colleges. He signed a bill into law Monday banning the state's public colleges and universities from spending money on diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. He says, if you look at the way this has actually been implemented across the country, DEI is better viewed as standing for discrimination, exclusion, and indoctrination. I want you to remember what he just said, discrimination, exclusion, and indoctrination. DeSantis said during a news conference, a new college of Florida and Sarasota, and that has no place in our public institutions. Hmm. So I took a beat there because I wanted to really internalize what I just read and 
what I'm hearing. And it seems fascinating to me that when we talk about programs meant to bring about equity, specifically among a group that was systematically, institutionally, and intentionally discriminated against, excluded out of participating in the American dream, except for drips and drops here in, in certain places, and indoctrinated into thinking that they were somehow inferior. Sound familiar? Because of my 59 years, I've been in America now, 54 of them. My 54 years in America, I can tell you that I was, that I survived, and I continue to be discriminated against, excluded in, in certain sectors, and now indoctrinated to believe that my quest for equity or a demand to participate in the American dream is somehow un-American. Now, look, the title of this episode is Stop the D Insanity, right? Because at some point, this is going to come to a head. At some point, we're going to have to address and deal with these issues. We can't keep sweeping that under the rug. We're just going to cause more stress. There's just going to be more anxiety. There's just going to be more division. There's just going to be more alienation. Until we try to come up with viable, workable solutions that encourage and embrace all Americans from different backgrounds, socioeconomic status, who want to participate in making America a better place. You, you have to be foolish to, look, look, let me just talk real here for a minute. Because sometimes guys like me can be part of the problem, that I can be so educated that I don't really get down to the root of what bothers me. And it's the way that I have been groomed and taught to speak civilly for the most part and to present my defense on the subject matter from an intellectual perspective and not one emotional. But this is emotional. Because I don't believe that this attack on people asking to embrace a certain level of diversity to bring about a more equitable playing field and to include those who have historically not been included is an unreasonable request. We've been asking for this request since the late 1800s or so. At, at what point are we going to get that what we're doing isn't working? Now, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, 
because I also take issue with my liberal friends who have broadened the term of diversity that by doing so has watered down the root group that sought equality in the first place. And by that, I mean, I mean black people in America. We come up with these, these, these ignorant, ignorant responses to the African Holocaust in America and say, well, you know, the slaves really didn't want to be free because, you know, they had it good. Uh, ask an inmate in a, in, a, in a prison whether or not they have it good or not. Ask someone that's getting lashed and beaten and raped and murdered and their families separated and sold like pieces of property in a corner or used as collateral so people could build wealth, ask them if they had it good. I don't know what some of my American friends have to tell themselves to, to try to lessen the truth of the matter. But I would rather, and you will hear me say this time and time again, be divided by truth than united in a lie. And one thing I will give African-Americans credit for is they've always tried to integrate and be a part of their country. They took the slops that were given them and made some of the most exquisite meals on the planet. They took very little resources and began to build communities. There was a time period where we weren't allowed to go to schools and so we built our own. We weren't allowed to be featured in magazines, so we started our own magazine. There's a reason why it's called Black Enterprise Magazine. When we were told that we were less than and subhuman, we came up with, say it loud, I'm Black and I'm proud. But at some point, that dog is not going to hunt as our young men and women are still continually being killed in the streets, sanctioned murders not even given the chance to appear before George, a, a judge in a court of law, which most of our court of laws are kind of kangaroo courts. I don't care if you agree with me or not. They are slanted and designed to incarcerate and intimidate people like me. And it doesn't matter to me, the person with the hammer, the color of that person, because there are people like me that drink the Kool-Aid too. And so I take issue with my liberal friends who somehow want to broaden this definition of, of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So much so to the point that on the far right, we're getting pushback because the manner in which that's being done violates and disrespects the belief of those who may not believe like the left. And so we sort of come to this whole full circle, right? To where you have your extremes on the right who are making laws and pushing back and feeling like they're being threatened. Welcome to feeling like a black man, by the way, or a black person. And then we have those on the left who say, well, 
your way of thinking, the patriarch, the patriarchy, the yada yada, the blah blah blah, needs to be challenged and broken down and redone and restructured. And we don't really care what you think. If you hear what I just said, you have two groups of extremists saying the same thing. The approaches are different. So we're going to create people like Governor DeSantis, who is going to make these bills and put them in place that are going to set us backwards in trying to level the playing field, lifting up Americans that normally would not have not had the opportunity to be lifted up. Telling this lie that there's scarce resources or taking your jobs and doing this, doing the other thing. And that's just not the truth. Folks, we have to stop the de insanity, right? We have to stop it. We have we have bigger fish to, to be concerned about. Uh I, I want to say I'm so sorry for the, for the video. I, I think there's a blue screen blue screen thing here happening. Um, you can kind of see my mic kind of coming in and out. Let me see what that does there. Oh, I see. Oh, wow. Check that out. Hey, hey, nobody thought I could be goofy. <laughs> I do have those moments, right? Um, just to bring a little levity to the situation. But I, I don't know what it's going to take for us to... come to a head to where reason and wisdom prevails. That instead of yelling at one another, we can't sit and try to figure out a more equitable way to, is equitable the word I want to say? I don't think that's what I want to say. I think we have to come around the table and have a conversation about our ability to disagree without being canceled, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on. We have liberals canceling people based on accusations. We have companies canceling people based on accusations. And we we are really turning out to be a very unforgiving, non-tolerating nation group of people that for all of our let's get happy and self-care and, and let's take care of ourselves and our bodies and we can do whatever we want. We seem to be more miserable. Instances of mental health seems to be more increased Mass shootings have been increased. There's so much violence happening in our country that I, I, I just I just wonder how far down this slope we're going to continue to, to fall. I don't know if Ron DeSantis cares or has considered the long-term effects on his actions, not only to to his the state of Florida, 
race relations in this country, the economy of Florida, citizens of color in Florida, the students that want to go to Florida State Universities and engage in healthy discourse on how to have a place at the table. And yet he would write a bill on a law that basically wants to wants to put them back in a box. Now I know there's more to this bill than than just that and and I and I wanted to take just that one component and, and discuss it. I'm sure that um, his initiative is that there are uh, pieces of the bill that he may have found did not meet his values or what he believes to be the values of of the citizens of of Florida. And and by citizens of Florida, I mean those that are um, funding his campaign with enough money to sway um, the way we see and look at things. I I don't know how those men and women of color in Florida do not see this as a as a call to arms that their governor has waged war against their ability to to teach in a way that is more expansive is the word. And we just see this over more and more of, of, of this stuff coming down the pike. Now, I don't I don't want to, you know, uh belay belabor this 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 point. And I know that, you know, this sort of all started um excuse me for that. So I started around this idea of critical race theory, and I and I have to tell you that I, I have not really taken a deep dive into critical race theory. But I want to read something that came across my desk, and it says, ideas that make up critical race theory have been around long before it, it got its name. NPR's A. Martinez has, was talking to Kimberly Crenshaw, who coined the term critical race theory about anti-racism and why she believes it must be part of American discourse. Critical race theory or CRT has been discussed in academic circles for nearly 40 years, but the term has only recently been weaponized in backlash of the racial reckoning that spread across the country following the police killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor in 2020. Law professor Kimberly Williams Crenshaw is a pioneering scholar and writer on race, civil rights, and law. She teaches at Columbia University and UCLA. She's also co-founder and executive director of the African-American Policy Forum. And so they spoke to her about CRT and its importance in this moment. And so here are what questions that were asked to, to her and her responses. Said, since you coined the term critical race theory, could you, critical race theory, could you start us off with what it is? Kimberly Williams Crenshaw's response is, it is effectively an embodiment of what I call racial literacy. How do we read the world? How do we understand the relationship to its history? We frame it that way, not simply as a way of marking history and showing, for example, how segregated neighborhoods were the product of federal policy that continues to create material differences in wealth 
and in health to this day, it's important to understand the history of it to do something about it. And then Martinez goes on and talks about an article that she wrote in the LA Times in January. And headline was, Martin Luther King was a critical race theorist before there was a name for it. In what way, she was asked. Well, in several ways. Number one, he was a critic of the contradiction between what America says it is, what its deepest aspirations are, and what its material reality is. You know, a lot of people like to quote his march on Washington's speech, particularly the part where he talks about how our aspiration is to be judged on the content of our character, not the color of our skin. That was his sort of aspirational moment. The rest of the speech was a trenchant critique of the idea that America had given African-Americans a rubber check. Basically, the promises of the 13th and the 14th Amendment came back marked insufficient funds. So his entire point of that speech was to make good on the democratic promises. And so Martinez goes on to ask, as anti-CRT wing of society, as you put it, are they in full control of the narrative surrounding CRT? And Professor Crenshaw says, what's that saying? That a lie gets around the world three times before truth puts its boots on. I would say that the MAGA, the Make America Great Again faction, has used CRT and has gone around the country multiple times before the Democrats and our president finally stepped up to say, our country is hanging in the balance. And the attack on our democracy and the attack on anti-racism are one in the same. It's not an accident that the Confederate flag made an appearance in the Capitol during January 6th. It's not an accident that the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and many other neo-nationalists and white supremacist groups are all behind the idea that the election is stolen. You can't fight against that without naming and being clear about the role of neo-nationalism and white supremacy in stroking these fears. The reason why I bring that up is because this was the basis behind why Governor DeSantis decided to sign a bill in the law basically saying that he did not want diversity, equity, and inclusion taught in Florida universities and colleges. And, and here's, here's, here's my problem with the whole thing. And now that I've got the abstract behind what critical race theory is, who wouldn't want critical race theory being taught? Who wouldn't want to hear the truth, no matter how ugly it is, about what it was really like? You know, during World War II, we had to bomb Germany. And I said this over and over again. We had to bomb Germany to the point of submission. And they finally stood up and said, you know what? We need to do something about this. They took a good, long, hard look in the mirror and they began to go to work. And when they did, it's by no means perfect. And when they did, their country started flourishing economically. Oh, you've got pocket groups here and there because you're always going to have stupid roaming around. The, 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 the problem I have is the arrogance and entitlement and the vanity of America, Americans, and our culture to absolutely refuse to not only 
talk about what happened. We don't even want to hear it. That's the craziest thing to me, right? That we don't even want to address it. We basically are saying, I want to stay stupid. I want to live in ignorance. That has been this way. That's the way it is. That's the way I like it. Because you're asking me to look in my, not only my mirror, but my mama's mirror, my grandmama's mirror, and my great-grandmother's mirror. And I have to address the fact that because of decisions that they made by lying, cheating, stealing, murdering, that I benefited from that. That's why America's angry. I mean, January 6th riots and the way people push back on critical race theory, the way people are signing bills in the law about diversity, equity, and inclusion, you think that America was founded by black people <laughs> and non-blacks were the people that were given into genocide and Holocaust and being murdered every day. Folks, we have to stop the insanity. We, we, we have to stop the insanity. And, and I'm not, here's how we stop the insanity. I was going to say, I'm not sure how we stop the insanity, but here's how we stop the insanity. We have to first personally have the courage to look inside of ourselves and start by saying, I'm the problem, right? We have to take responsibility for our actions to say, I am the problem, especially if I refuse to hear and empathize in an effort to understand. And sometimes you don't have to understand fully. And then we have to say, okay, now that I'm the problem, let me talk to my friends who may also be the problem. And if you're dealing with a group of people who are willing to walk arm in arm with us to fix the problem so that our country can be great, right? Then let me start by doing that. So in having said that, you know what the opposite of that is? Basically saying, you know what? No, I don't want to do that. I'd rather burn it down. I'd rather burn the house down. I'd rather that we all just burn the house down because I am going to hold on to my antiquated racist beliefs. They're so warm and fuzzy and cuddly and they work for me. Whew. Basically saying that I like to be ignorant. And I'll have some of my friends that have, will come to me and say, well, well, Gene, really, you really don't believe that. Well, Gene, you, 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 you really, let's look at this more balanced approach. You know what? Here's what I say to those friends of mine. And if I lose you as a friend, so be it. I am angry and tired. 
of having to explain something so basic and simple, right? To people who claim to have a brain, <laughs> trying to make you feel good at night when I have anxiety. Oh, my anxiety comes from military. I have anxiety and stress because at any moment, me or anyone that looks like me or my nieces or my nephew can 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 be in the hands of someone who doesn't like them because of the color of skin and they might not make it home walking home from school. I just have a very put together demeanor that you have to catch me at a certain time for me to tell you what I really think. And as a military man, you know what it looks like to me? Looks like we're at war. Looks like that my country has declared war on every aspect of my life and people who look like me's life. Isn't this what we bomb countries for? And people say, well, you're talking about socialism. No, we're not. We're not talking about socialism. No, we're not. We're not talking about socialism. Absolutely not. I'm talking about socialism and Marxist theories. And let me just tell you this. Even if it was Marxist theories, not that I believe in that. Capitalism and, and democracy hasn't worked for me. Right? There's a saying that says in America, we're only as free as we're allowed to be. The judicial system hasn't worked for me. The financial system hasn't worked for me. The education system hasn't worked for me. And I've got a master's. It has not worked for me. All right? It has been fear-mongering and, and mental and financial and emotional intimidation. You know, we talk about domestic violence, right? Imagine for someone like me, America is the abuser and she gets away with it every single time. And then plugs up on the screen and says, well, maybe he didn't have a daddy at home or maybe this, you know, I know I'm going on a tear here, but it's because perhaps if we stop putting bills into place that fed people's fear, perhaps if we took a moment and had a discussion about what ails our nation and the citizens within that nation, perhaps we can come up with some real, viable, equitable solutions that don't seem so combative. And let me tell you why. Let me go off here for a minute, if I haven't already. Why African-Americans have come so hard with Black Lives Matter and this is what you're not going to do and, you know, stop talking about my hair and, and insisting. It's because we tried it subtly. We tried it peacefully. We tried it by working our fingers to the bone to get half of, of, of what someone less qualified or educated would get. We tried it with love and understanding and always inviting people to the cookout. 
we try to whisper. We tried not striking back when we were being hosed and dogs were being sicked on us and cops were shooting and killing and beating. Our government was putting drugs in the neighborhoods, perpetuating the stereotype of uh, welfare moms and crackheads and alcoholics and slowfulness. We, we, we tried to get dressed in the morning and build our own communities, and yet they were burned down and bulldozed, government sanctioned. We sent four little black girls to school where adults threw insults, but also rocks and stones, and they had to be escorted by federal marshals just to integrate a school. We tried to educate our, our way upward and onward, biding our time one by one to participate in the American dream. We tried to integrate and participate. Some made inroads, most were lost. At, at some point, it's purely insanity to keep trying when you're getting punched in the face, to do it quietly and peacefully as you're seeing your brothers, your sisters, your sons, your daughters, your nieces, your nephews, your cousins, your grandmothers be murdered while sleeping on a traffic stop, selling cigarettes, walking while black, talking while black, making mistakes while black, playing while black, being human while black. At some point, it's one of the most exhausting experiences on the face of the earth. And people will say, well, why don't you get up and leave if you don't like it here? Now, I can do that. I wasn't born here. I got a country I can go to. <laughs> I'm a hybrid, right? I can get up and I can go bye-bye. So in my case, you're right. I could just get up and leave. Done it. Did it when I was serving the country. But to my African-American cousins who have been here for hundreds of years, where are they going to go? Because this is their country. This is where they were born. Their children were born. Their parents were born. Their grandparents were born. Their great-grandparents were born. This is their country. The land of their birth. So while that statement would apply to somebody like me, I don't think it really would apply to them. That would be like telling an Irish person to go back to Ireland. That's been here for three, four hundred years or an Italian to go back to Italy. It's been here for three, four hundred years. It's just one of the most ignorant things I think I've ever heard of. And I think that anyone that doesn't see the systems that are in place, the pounds and mountains and mountains of evidence that just shows how 
lacking in diversity, equity, and inclusion. People specifically of color have had to endure. It makes Governor DeSantis's decision to sign a bill aborting, <laughs> I guess he's good at doing that, diversity, equity, and inclusion from Florida colleges and universities from being taught before it's even had a chance to take hold. If, if it wasn't such a threat, why do it? So what do you think? Do you think we will be able to stop the the insanity? Is there is there hope for us as a nation? Or are we going to keep going down this path of mutual self-destruction because we are told something about ourselves that we don't like? Or that we have to take a good, long, hard look in the mirror to make ourselves better, right? Or are we just so entitled and fragile <laughs> that we don't want to hear it and we're just tired of it? And I'll say this to those of you that will say, I'm tired of hearing about it. It's all I hear about. Do you know how many decades I've heard racist comments cut out of the boardroom? Discriminated against from the basic benefits of being an American? Do you know how many white presidents or white colleagues that I've watched springboard over me that have been less qualified, they just had the right zip code in the right neighborhood. They were afforded the opportunity to go to a better school than the one that I went to. Do you know what it's like that later in life to really figure out that no matter how excellent you tried to be, no matter how many books you read, no matter how nice you were, no matter how put together you were, no matter how you had chosen to serve your country and try to be a good citizen, that the game was rigged, that there would be bills written that would go into law that would negatively impact my ability to take care of myself or my family. And it's not just the Republican Party. It's also the Democratic, Democratic Party as well. There is a epidemic that is spreading across this country. It's taking hold of us like a cancer. And it's eating us from the inside out. And we're dying 
And yet we're still shoving our faces with false beliefs and lies that were told to us from generation to generation. And unless we make a decision to take a prescription that will cause this cancer to recede, we're only gonna get sick and die. We're only gonna have more bills written. We're only gonna have more Ron DeSantis's. We're only gonna create more Donald Trump's. We're only gonna, whoever's on the liberal side, you, you pick those people too. I don't, I don't really care because we the people, if this is what we believe, if this is what we say we want, if we are this fragile, if we are this divided, then we don't have a country. We don't have a union. We're just going to be several warring factions yelling and screaming at each other, shooting each other in the streets or writing policies, competing policies back and forth and, and, and really not seeing the true enemy here. So I, I wanted to sort of address that. I, I've sort of stayed away from that topic because it's, it's one that is unnecessarily complex because it's all built on people's feelings and emotions and fears. And in this case, white fragility, actually. It's, it, it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna close this up with this. For those of you that have been through something, you may have heard me say this before. It's becoming harder and harder for me to empathize when you talk about who you lost on 9-11 or whatever catastrophe you've gone through in life. When you refuse to empathize and try to understand the long-suffering, intentional subjugation and genocide, genocidal policies that were put in place to get rid of people that looked like me. You will not find me very empathetic to whatever your cause is. You won't have me believing that the importance of your struggle is enough to catch my attention when you see me dying on the streets and you look at me like it's my fault. You're either an ally or an enemy. There is no in-between. It's not that complex. You either empathize or you don't. 
you're either for or against. What we may disagree on is the how. What we can't disagree on is the conversation. And if we're putting bills in the laws that won't even allow the conversation, then we as a nation have a very serious personal problem. <laughs> Live over the term. Well, folks, I'm gonna stop right there. I think it's I think it's time for me to sign off on that particular subject. Um, let me see if I can segue here. We are going to have these episodes, these conversations during our episodes are going to be special presentations. I believe that there's enough media coverage out there, both in the mainstream media and also in minor media to where they have these discussions. The folks on Fetter's show, the root of the program was to talk about small businesses. And we also talk about the people behind those businesses. So we're gonna get back to the bones of our program. It doesn't mean we're not gonna have these conversations. It just means that we're gonna get back to the bones of the importance of having small, mid-sized enterprises. And we're gonna be presenting strategies, relationships, and events surrounding education, information, and access to resources to help individuals who are struggling to keep their small businesses alive, to help organizations who want to teach their leaders how to lead to more diverse groups, and also how to engage with larger enterprises and how larger enterprises can partner with smaller organizations in a more efficient and effective way. So we invite not only business owners, but entrepreneurs to join us on the program, to share their wisdom and their insight. We've got some really interesting things coming down the pike. We're gonna be having a webinar, having a discussion about topics that are important to you as a small business owner, how to set strategy, how to do business plans, how to seek funding, how to, how to interview an investor, how to raise capital, how to offer your goods and services, not only here in the United States, but also abroad, how to put together a team. There are a lot of different things that we're going to discuss in the program that we believe you can benefit from. And then we're going to continue on our special presentations, having conversations about the human beings behind those organizations, talking about their dreams, their aspirations, their goals, why they are in business, the communities that they're serving, why they serve those communities, what's the purpose, what's the goal. So we have a lot of stuff coming up on the Folks Unfettered show that we believe that you will benefit from. As our show continues to grow, as our audience base begins to broaden, we'd like for you to send us an email at wearefolksunfettered at gmail.com and participate in our live streams, like and subscribe to the channel, join the discussion. We don't 
close the door on people who don't think the way we think. That's not what the, the purpose of the show is. We like to be challenged. I like to have conversations that are open, civil, and diverse. You are very welcome to, to disagree as long as we do so respectfully. Doesn't mean conversations won't get heated. <laughs> and you may find that I may learn a thing or two, a different perspective that I may not have understood before. And in doing so, that only makes me smarter. That gives me a new way of looking at things and that helps me to empathize with a different train of thought. It doesn't fear me at all. And hopefully you might do the same thing. So folks, we welcome your input, your participation. We thank you for listening to our show. Thank you for your time and consideration during this episode as I brought what I believe is a telltale sign of where things are. I don't think I'm, I'm wrong in that assessment. But we hope that you will take a look at bills and laws that are passed that are affecting your neighbors and to try to understand how it will not only affect them, but also how it will affect you because it will affect you because we're all in this together. No, no matter what you tell yourself, we're all in this together. And the only thing we can do is make it better or make it worse. And as always, I'm praying for you and yours. I wish you much success in all the things that you do. Thank you for joining us here on this Wisdom Wednesday. Um, I guess that's pretty much it. This is pretty much it for this episode. As always, I'm your host. I'm that brother of light. Dropping wisdom in your left ear and knowledge in your right. Take care.